Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and my only guide on this journey is Brian Martin. Hello, everybody. Brian Martin with his notes back. <laughs> Handy dandy notes. It went flawlessly last week. Notes yeah. or no notes? Look, I would say that our episode was definitely better than Quantum Leap's episode last week. Yeah, that was a rough one. I don't even have to really pat myself on the back to achieve that. I mentioned to you outside of recording, like, this is the first time I think we both really tore into an episode. Like, normally you leave yeah. me to be the attack dog, and then <laughs> and then you're just sort of like, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but hey. But you, yeah. You know? You really hit something on the head last week, though, and that's that the promise implied by the season premiere felt just really unfulfilled yeah in that second episode and i think those wounds were very very fresh yeah and you didn't have any logical notes to go by it was all visceral feeling yeah i was running on pure emotion last week <laughs> <laughs> my cold calculating demeanor was replaced by one driven by id <laughs> uh, one other thing, though, before we get too deep into it, mm -hmm. another big thing this week is that there was an interview at Collider with Martin Garrow and Dean Geogaris. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's, his name sounds like the name of a Pokemon. <laughs> like, I choose you, Geogaris. <laughs> One of those yeah. rocky Pokemon. I think I might have seen this article. I, like, clicked on it and skimmed. There was a lot of information in there that was related to the writing process, what it was like diving right. straight into season two, because that's exactly what they did. They finished season one and almost immediately started season two. And I can't remember whether it was last week or the week before, but I suggested that maybe it was because they knew the strike was coming. Yeah. And I said, and that's nah. What, that's exactly what it was. Uh, yeah. they, they knew that there was a strike coming, and they were like, we got to get things cracking. And Martin Garrow astutely says, now we're one of the only fall shows back with what looks like a regular season. Right. Now, yeah, regular in the sense that it started in October. How regular is it going to be? Uh, how's five episodes sound to you? Because that's all they've got in the can right now. Oh, is that they, it? It's five? It sounds like they've only got five episodes. They were aiming for eight, but before the strikes started, in fact, it sounds like they filmed an episode and a half without the writers. Oh, man. <laughs> we, we remember what happened with Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Well, given the writing <laughs> that's been up to this point, maybe winging it with our <laughs> actors is... I think I kind of skimmed over it because they started talking more about the, oh, 
what was it like to throw a wrench in the romantic relationship uh, yeah. of the two? But it, I'm just like, who gives it? It's vapid. <laughs> they say the same things you expect yes, them to say. Right. But the interesting stuff for me is more pertaining to the writer's room, the creation of the show itself, and the, the decisions that were made Well, with regards to the overall plot, not just of season two, which they are very amped about, but season one, which Garrow took over as showrunner, Early in the process, after right, existing yeah. showrunners had been there, those two existing showrunners became executive producers, and Garrow was kind of left to pick up the pieces, and uh-huh. he said that their original season relied a lot more on mathematics. <laughs> he said, it was too mired in a lot of math mythology. When you say there, you mean the prior? The previous showrunners. And... The things that they introduced were things that he had to propagate because it had already been brought up. And I'm thinking what he's talking about is the nonsense we talked about all the time about the temporal acceleration and the momentum building up and all of that stuff. Right. He looked at it and said that there were a lot of cool concepts, but it was just a lot of, wait, what? I don't think he solved that problem. I don't think he did either, but I think he made an attempt to. <laughs> well, he was the credited writer for the premiere episode. Yes, which was not the original pilot. Oh, well, I was talking about season two, but I think he was oh, also... season two. Yeah, 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 he wrote... Yeah. Jero wrote season... Or Garrow. We need to choose <laughs> which one is right. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Gar- we don't know. Where's he from? He's like, hey, Jero. You know, the Italian? <laughs> At any rate... What's the matter, you, with this uh, temporal momentum, huh? Mamma mia. Oh, my God. Uh, My apologies to the Italian community. Uh, Eat us some food, huh? You get into a skinny, Garo. He wrote the premiere to season two. Season two, yes. But I actually took some time since our last episode really thinking about the writing. I and mean, we just spent that whole episode just crapping all over the writing. I don't apologize for any of that, mind you. It's it's constructive criticism. I'm not the guy in the chat room who's just there saying, lazy writing, and then leaving the room. It's yeah. like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, I... that's unconstructive. <laughs> right. Good for you. Good for us. I, I agree. We, this is the second pat on the back we get. <laughs> Look at us. I feel like we are speaking about the writer's room without a lot of perspective. You know, we all we really see are the product, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we're coming up with is conjecture. If you were to break down the percentage of time we speculate about the plot elements of this show and the time we speculate about what goes on in the writer's room... I guarantee you we talk about the writer's room more. <laughs> you think so? I think it's probably 50-50 in reality. Maybe. I, I, maybe. Maybe. Either way, given the time that we've had between the last episode and this recording, I went ahead and I pulled up all the writers from season one just to see. This is like, where Nate backs up and reveals this corkboard over his shoulder with pictures of all the writers from season one and threads connecting to stories <laughs> they wrote and ideas they pioneered. I wish I'd put that much work into it. In in reality, I copied and pasted out of Wikipedia who wrote what. And then I kind of paired them together if somebody wrote more than one episode. Hmm. And I chatted you one of them, the writer of Ben and Teller, wrote one of our favorite episodes from season one. Right. Which is Family family style. Style. Yeah. And that was surprising. 
So I would butcher that name if I attempted to say it. So here I go. Adrita Mukajeri. Well, she's not Italian. M-U-K-E-R-J-I? Yes. Yes. (laughs) At any rate, one of our favorite episodes, and then easily probably the worst episode I've ever seen of this show. You would go that far with episode two? Oh, man. I hate it so much. I hate it more now than I did. I was thinking it's like, Oh, it's a serviceable episode, but it's really not. I mean, it really derails everything that we thought we liked. Do you remember what I said about the poker part that it was uncalled for? <laughs> yes. I feel like this week's episode of Quantum Leap made me feel that way about the entirety of last week's episode. Oh, interesting. I When we do open it up to this week's episode, I want to hear what that's all about. But since we're already on this route here, I'll just throw a couple of pairs at you and... Let me know if you think any of these things are strange. So, like, Somebody Up There Likes Ben was written by Drew Lindo, who also has a writing credit on Fellow Travelers. So that's the boxing episode and Deborah Ann Wall's episode. (laughs) I feel like those are on a similar wavelength. We really didn't like Fellow Travelers. No, we just really liked Deborah Ann Wall. Yeah, we did not like that episode. I I remember thinking that that was pretty bad. But I think someone out there likes Ben is a middle-of-the-road episode. It is. It's very passable. So that's a Drew Lindo episode. The writing team of Benjamin Robb and Derek Hughes. This is a writing team because they wrote both of these two different episodes. Salvation or Bust. Yep. And Paging Dr. Song. Ooh. That is... uh... Quite the twofer for you, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> I think your your least favorite episodes of the whole season, well, really. Yeah. I mean, I still say Salvation or Bust is like a, it's a preference thing. They've really yes. basically just taken your formulaic Western episode of television and did and it. And put Ben Song in it. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. Lazy writing. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving the room now. Not a big fan of what they've had to offer thus far. And then I think the one thing that really I found pretty interesting is this week's episode was written by Romy Lure, who did Ben's song for the defense. Okay. Margarita Matthews wrote O Ye of Little Faith, which cracked the top three for me last week or last year. Yep, that was the Halloween episode. That was my, like, um, like call it not a black sheep. What are they? Uh, dark horse. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. <laughs> that was my dark horse. Like, I kind of worked its way into being in my top three after settling for a while. Uh, so Margarita Matthews uh, wrote that one. She wrote Leap, Die, Repeat. Okay. Which you like. That was one of my favorites, yep. And she wrote Judgment Day. Wow. The finale, which I really didn't like and continue yeah. to not like. <laughs> so, Hey, it was a dirty job, but somebody had to do it. That's, that's what I look at that. Is, I guess. There's just so much more involved in making sure something comes out good than just the script. 
you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's obvious. It just kind of bears mentioning, I think, because Family <clears throat> Style, remember who directed that? Deborah Pratt. That's right. That's and right. And we talked about, wow, that really felt like an old episode. You know, it had Deborah Pratt's signature on it. And the only thing that I remember thinking odd about that is that the landlord, for some reason, had a gun-toting enforcer. <laughs> right. That's, that's also it's very like, 1980. the rent? <laughs> you put a gun in your face. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess if it's in the script, she's got to work with it. There's just so much that goes into it. It's hard to just pick on a writer's room. Yeah. I think that, and maybe this article you read enforces this a little bit, but I feel like the writer's room is who you blame for an overall sense, right? Right. What did this show ultimately become? Because we've got a whole season's worth of work to look back on, and we can say, okay, season one was the culmination of these people's work. Mm-hmm. And this is how it came out. And we graded it and, you know, gave our opinions for, you know, a whole year or what have you. And now we're going into season two. And I don't think it's easy to, you know, like, oh, well, this is a Margarita Matthews episode. It's going to suck. No, it's yeah. It's not I guess, as easy as all not. that. That first season was very hit or miss. Yep. Thus far, this season has been very hit or miss. Well, going on three episodes. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we're getting into it now. It's episode three. Episode three. Closure Ooh. Encounters. Who accepted the nudge this week, Brian? The year is 1949. Ben has leaped into Agent Robert Cook, character where Ben gets to flex his inner Mulder a little bit. Mm. Robert Cook is with Project Sign in the U.S. Department of Intelligence, and Project Sign as Ian observes, Ian's very excited about this whole (laughs) leap, was Project Blue Book before Project Blue Book. Essentially, Agent Cook travels the country investigating UFO sightings. He is summoned to Starlight, New Mexico to investigate a hypothetical sighting made by two teenage girls as they were driving on a country road that caused them to wreck their car And one of the girls is in a coma. The other is hospitalized. As we come to find out, the girl who is driving the car, Carrie Baker, is going to be held accountable for the death of her friend, Melanie Hunt. Ben, as he observes at the beginning, all he's got to do is prove that UFOs exist. (laughs) That was a good line. That was great. So all I have to do is prove aliens are real. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that was, aliens that was love country roads, don't they? And they love cows. The leap in, uh, for this show, one of my favorite leap ins. It's a dark night on a farm, and the first line of dialogue is quick. They've abducted three of my cows so far. Brother, you got me. Yeah. You are preaching to the choir on this. Just strap me the hell in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And how nice would that have been to be the taste that's left in your mouth after episode two? Yes, Leaked I saw. out. There was no reason not to include that last week. There was no reason not to include the little tease for what we were getting this week. It would have yeah. been a great moment, and that's all you get. It would have had me coming into this episode feeling a little bit better. 
I mean, because I was way down on this show. I thought, okay, well, it's a return to form. This thing was an outlier. Right. We're in for the long haul, or I guess five episodes. (laughs) (laughs) How long a haul is this? Yeah, yeah. But we're about to trudge through a whole second season of this middling performance. And I don't know what your final takeaway was, but I really really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, 100%. You know, we've been kind of grading so far this season. This is a solid B plus for me. This episode is a lot of fun. I think the support staff all function precisely as they should every single week. We yeah. see just enough of Team Quantum Leap, and the whole show is spent with Ben and Addison on the leap. Yeah, I was amazed at how quickly it felt like things just sort of clicked back into place. She shows up for a few minutes. It's like nothing's weird between these two. And then, of course, it does get weird. <laughs> yeah. And and most of the show deals with that. But everybody just feels very comfortable and confident this week. I feel that confidence from episode one. You mean the confidence in what regard? I mean, this show feels more confident, certainly than it did last week. Yeah. I feel like the people involved knew they were making something good this week. Okay. And part of the reason for that is that this episode looks great. We remarked last season about the Halloween episode. Yeah, how it was moody and it had an atmosphere. It was just shot, filmed differently than the other episodes we had seen up to that point. It really stood out. true, true. I feel the same way about a lot of this episode. The framing is interesting. Just the whole presentation of the episode is very interesting. It felt like they knew they were making something of a higher standard. Hmm. is how it felt not only that but i made multiple notes this week when addison shows up addison appears in cook's car hey how's it going she says you know it's very casual to start and i said aside in parentheses addison's hair looks great in this episode (laughs) and then i scrolled down a little ways to where we see ian and the rest of the team and i'm like Ian looks great in this episode. And then I scroll down a little bit more and I'm like, Jen looks great in this episode. Like everybody just looks great in this episode. The whole episode looks great is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. I, you're, I didn't take much stock in everyone's hair. I will say I, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they, they all look great. They all look great. And I think after two weeks of waterlogged Ian, (laughs) Yeah, no, I I did make note Ian was looking pretty sharp this week. What you're saying is, is basically they're back to to normal. Uh, no, more or normal. Less. What does normal even mean for this show? Now? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> the note that I have jotted down here is everything's changed? Question mark. <laughs> right, cuz everything's normal. I get How about mean. nothing has changed? Nothing has changed. Hey guys, Everything remember Tom? Is the same. <laughs> you, rem- you remember Tom from last week, the guy everybody loves? Well, guess what? He's it doesn't matter cuz he's not in this episode. He's not in this episode. Who's running Project Quantum Leap? Well, it seems to be Magic, who yeah. does not work for the US government anymore, but hey. <laughs> but he's got the big comfy chair. Yeah, I made note of that as well. Largely Ian's comment, everything's changed, boils down to Addison's got a boyfriend. That's it. 100%. That's it. That is That's what has changed. all that has changed. Yes. You know, I mean, they shut down Project Quantum Leap, supposedly, but 
evidently not that difficult to get it back up and running. Just flip the switch, turn it back on. Them working in the little uh, underground lair there, they had people in the background already doing stuff at computers, and they had a whole crew. It wasn't just those four folks coming back to the mountain. It was like the whole place is opened up, and there's like a staff walking around. and. Yeah, back. yeah. I, I could have really done with just a shot in the background of the doll guy carrying a big box of dolls, <laughs> just way in the background, like you have to really look for him. I'm wondering if we're the only ones that remember the doll guy. It was like one throwaway line. Well, it's a throwaway one. line. I just and a, yeah. fixated on it. Because <laughs> he's there. He's it's there. only he's growing for there. us. It's growing he's, for us. He's kind of like the shark in Jaws, <laughs> in that... It's a mythic creature, and once we actually find out who it is, it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> no. We said it last week, bring back the tease, right? You've got to bring back that little snippet of what's to come. Yeah, it's like the Ben's backbone song. of this show. Right. It's what gets us to come back week after week. It's not the mystery, right? We talked about last week the, the uh. idea that Ian wasn't completely forthcoming about how they detected that Ben was still out there. And it's like, that is a stale breadcrumb, my friend. That is a moldy breadcrumb. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to follow the trail. I'm just going to be like, you know what? (laughs) Two roads have diverged in this wood, and I think I'm going to take the one (laughs) well-traveled. Yeah. (laughs) This is not one I'm interested in following. But put that little tease at the end of last week. Even if you didn't like the episode that you just finished watching... Uh, this one wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. There's a tease to the next thing. You know, it's not about merely hopping time periods. It's about hopping genres. Uh, you could think a Quantum Leap's a time travel show. It's a sci-fi show. It really kind of isn't. There are different genres you can play with, and maybe sometimes that genre's not going to be your cup of tea. Right? right, right. I would rather that's the case than just, man, this episode just wasn't very good. You know, on a fundamental level, there are flaws. But this episode was really very good. I don't want to say it renewed confidence, but it was the whole reason I kind of went through this exploration of the writers. You know, there was a big to-do last week about Addison. Will she or won't she get in the the chamber? This week, that that persists a little bit with yeah. some self-doubt with There's Addison, some, but it's yeah. mostly Ben is being kind of bullish and rightfully so because as he observes with Addison like yeah this happened to you three years ago you've been brokenhearted you've healed you've found someone new this happened to me five minutes ago you know no time has passed for me I had a girlfriend yesterday right (laughs) yeah yeah could you give me a goddamn minute is basically what the thesis of that whole thing is I know and she has some self-doubt about being the right person for the moment with Ben, and, and magic kind of sets her straight. But I mean, that's the carry-through, but it's not yeah. a big deal. It's not a big part of it, and... Thankfully, I should say. I have next to no interest in the romantic toils that the two of them have, but as we alluded to last week, these two tend to elevate material. Yes. And what they do with it, they're both really, really good at. And there's a yes. moment in this episode that we'll choose to highlight when we get there. I think what we need to start with, though, uh, honestly, is, is... Is how great all the hair looked. 
Well, we did. <laughs> yeah, spirits are flying high. I I find where we probably should start is I forget what the over under was, but not only did we not get Deborah Pratt, we didn't get anyone. We didn't get anything. No <laughs> saga no. cell. No saga cell. Yeah, I got like what's it that? was today before I realized that. Like I was sitting there looking back over my notes and I was like. Oh, they just threw it right in. There was no Saga Cell this no week. No Saga just... Cell, no nothing. Just zooming in through the eyeball. I Very well, wish then. I the eyeball thing would go away. I'm not sure if I like it. Yeah, it's just this? become part of the visual language of this show. I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, like, it I guess it doesn't bother me. The guy you loved last week, and I know you loved him because everybody loves him, and that's the whole point. The interview I read had an interesting comment about that. Okay. And that's that they felt like they had to make Tom disgustingly likable because they didn't want the audience to feel like Addison had betrayed Ben and turn on Addison. Like they had to make her fall for someone who was worthy of it. Yes, exactly. That was the impulse there. And I'm like, that's you can't write somebody to be likable. I wish you would have been like, hey, Addison, pull my finger. (laughs) 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 i think that you end up alienating people the way they did us yeah if you try to write something like oh we've got to make this character likable you're gonna end up hating that person you know yes you have to make it natural and it's two parts there's two ingredients to it one is the not overselling it with dialogue because that was tom's problem I can accept that Tom's a nice guy. I don't need to hear everyone talking about what a nice guy he is. But two, the performers really got to sell it. And I think it's interesting that you bring that up because last week we got Tom and this week we get another character who I think is sold much, much better Mm. than Tom was. Yeah, okay. That's an interesting topic as well as we're moving down the line here, but... I would hate to lose Tom as a character, you guys. Yeah. Not on my watch. I This whole relationship thing, I feel like if this is the thread that we're supposed to be following this season, I'm not here for it. But that being said, it's part of this episode, and I guess it needs to be discussed. Because, yeah, maybe Addison shouldn't be the hologram. This relationship is television relationship the same way we discussed military television when we were kind of pitching our ideas you know it's like yeah this isn't really how the military works but for tv's sake we make it work this way this isn't how people actually work but for television's sake we have to make everybody far more emotionally evolved than anybody actually is sure yeah in this situation as bad as Addison might want to be in the imaging chamber, any sensible person like Tom might not want her to go in and be <laughs> to do that. We talked right. about that last week. And similarly, Ben at some point is going to have to be okay with this. And he's not going to be okay. Like, Well, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing about breakups. And relationships, you both have to want to be in a relationship. Sure. The conditions under which Addison ended her part of this relationship are 
much different than the conditions under which Ben has been forced to accept that the relationship's over. It's not so much that Addison explicitly doesn't want to be in a relationship with Ben. It's that at this point in her life, she can't be in a relationship with Ben. Ben actively wants to still be in a relationship with Addison, and you can't heal from that if you are both still seeing each other regularly. Right. So it doesn't make sense for her to be the hologram. Correct. Correct. But for television, it has to because their relationship is so tight and they need to be emotionally available for one another and we're all adults here, right? And that's not how people really operate. Right. I once was rooming with my ex-girlfriend who started dating one of our other roommates who was a friend of mine. Bad situation. Terrible situation. I didn't necessarily want to be with my ex-girlfriend anymore. We were good friends at the time. But I sure as shit didn't want somebody else dating her that I lived with so that I could share a wall with the two of the Like, I don't care how emotionally stable you are. These types of relationships. <laughs> like, this is people, not healthy. <laughs> yeah, it bothers people. Healthy people don't accept this. Yeah. Healthy people cannot live under this. That television show Friends, where each one of them dated the other at some point, and everybody was just okay with it, you know? Friends is kind of like the apex of what we're talking about in terms of television relationships. Right. right? By the end of that show, none of them should have been talking to each other anymore. Exactly. Except maybe Phoebe. (laughs) Right. Point being that when you're a character that's being written, you act the way... Everyone expects you to act, but not the way anybody actually would. If they're able to operate and function as a team willingly, they're like perfect people. Right. If this were a true scenario, Magic would have to stand up and say, for the sake of Ben, we need to get his focus somewhere else. Addison, I'm pulling you out. And that would be that. But no, we need this drama. We need all this monkey wrench thrown in their relationship. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the whole reason they did it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is to explore what happens to these two characters. But I don't care. I don't, yeah. like, it goes all the way back to, like, season one, episode one, where I was like, do I really want my hologram to be in a relationship with my Leaper? At one point, I we think... didn't buy them as a couple, and now that we do, they decide to break them up. It's like, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I mean, there is an audience out there that lives almost exclusively for will-they-or-won't-they scenarios. Sure. Sam and Diane. Moonlighting. You know, it's it's everywhere. Ross and Rachel. Yeah. Jim and Pam. That's a good one. Niles and Daphne. (laughs) It's no secret that I love that kind of stuff. Sure. I love romantic comedy style movies. I love it. That's I'm here for that. I'm not here for this, though. All that being said, though, I really do think it leads to probably one of Ben's best scenes when he finally breaks at her. Yes. That's a good scene. I have that highlighted here in my notes because I really liked Ben's description of anger. So backing up just a little bit to set the stage. Carrie, the girl who was driving... Her grandfather is the town sheriff. Mm -hmm. Her grandfather is Sheriff Morgan. 
And Ben and the sheriff actually form a really fun bond. Yeah. I like that character. Yeah. I, I love that character too. And he was great. The reason Carrie lives with her grandfather is because her mother passed away. These are two people living together, neither of whom has dealt with their grief in a healthy way, right? People didn't deal with grief in a healthy way back in the... Addison yeah. observes at one point, he's from a different era. He doesn't yeah. talk about his feelings. He internalizes everything and carries a girl who needs that level of emotional support. And he's just not providing it. Right. Well, over the course of the episode, Ben and Sheriff Morgan kind of become buddies, Maybe that's part of the reason I like this episode, too, is that it turns into a buddy cop kind of thing. <laughs> well, um, I think we just like it because they focus so much on the leap in this episode. I actually made um, a note. We were 20 minutes in before there was an actual scene in Project Quantum Leap. That's great. So, anyway. <laughs> that's great, Nate. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get back to your point. <laughs> ben and the sheriff are driving out in the middle of the night to this place at one point, And Ben talks with the sheriff about the experience of losing his daughter and ben says you know i recently lost my fiance with the fiance in the backseat of the car with the listening. fiance in the backseat of the car listening that's fun you know who he's actually talking to yeah yeah and ben observes that the hardest thing to cope with is that it's not anybody's fault he says that when there's no one to blame no one to fight that's when the anger is like acid in your blood yeah it's great yeah it's a great scene just terrific and he's terrific yeah. in that scene yeah yeah it's Just great it's great like i said i'm not here for this relationship stuff but what they do with it as actors is so wonderful he's making rash decisions and he's charging off into something that's going to be super dangerous and what does addison tell him don't make me bury you again right instant comeback you know flips the switch nobody made you bury me the first time yes also that kind of made me think like as you get older Three years doesn't feel like all that long. I mean, when you're 23, yeah, three years seems like a long time. But yeah, like that's really. I'm not. I'm not saying that to you know, like blame Addison. God, she should have waited. You not know? long enough that we have to blow the entire budget on makeup effects week after week. I think that arc is about 10 years. Like if yeah. you're playing 40, you can play 30, and vice versa in TV makeup. Yeah. Uh, roughly roughly yeah. roughly greetings fellow teens <laughs> <laughs> that's right but yeah i you know friction is gonna be the key this season like when addison comes in and says hey what's up and you want to talk about it it's like let's just focus on the leap right is their first interaction they then drive in a car yes. like 500 miles or something. What was the number they said? It was literally like a five-hour drive or something. It was a ways off. It was a few hours they were going to be in the car together. So how do they not talk about that? And then, then when they... That's what I loved. I was like, because Ben makes a remark like, this is the first road trip we've been on. But Addison could just leave. She doesn't just sit there the whole time. Yes, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's but she is sitting there. <laughs> I know. Like, she's sitting there the whole time. So you know any of these conversations that started continued. It's the same situation we had with that bullshit when they cut away from any kind of conversation between Janice and anyone, frankly. That conversation continued in real time. I actually made a note here. It's like, 
What a great guy Tom must be to allow for all this meaningless time that Addison is spending in the imaging chamber. Like, there is no reason for her to be there while he drove 30, 40 miles or something like that. Just to make it awkward. You know, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> just like to keep those... it awkward for them. That is interesting from the perspective of Addison is at work and Tom must look at this and be like, does she have to stay in the car the whole time with him? You know? It, yeah. It, it, like, yeah. if... As soon as he's sitting in Magic's chair and he's like actually at the project, the amount of time that she spends in the imaging chamber doing really next to nothing, that is all extraneous time that she doesn't have to be spending with him. Clearly, there are times when she would absolutely definitely need to be there and to deliver information to him and so on and so forth. But Al used to dip, you know? Oh, yeah. He'd leave Sam in an awkward situation and be like, well, you know what? You handle this. Uh, I got to go, go make an alimony payment. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something. And he'd just leave and uh, we'd be with Scott Bakula for the next scene. I liked the choice. I thought it was an interesting thing to just have them sitting there in silence and, you know, it kind of falls apart when you think about it too much, but that's kind of the magic of that scene. Yeah. It's literally just there so they can both create this awkward tension with one another. And uh, that and it, we've got to make this relationship drama last an entire season. So we can't get too much of it right up front here. So let's pepper a little in. And then a good line would be, let's focus on the leap. And that can just kind of put that storyline on pause relationship stuff aside i like the mystery i like all of the characters we mentioned the sheriff what a great character yeah terrific cool character and again the relationship that he forms with ben they don't seem like two people who are going to get along at all early on that's all all buddy right. cop stories start right ben deduces actually that the sheriff's the one that reached out about the ufo to begin with how does he figure that out he just kind of says it, and I'm yeah. like, what? I I think it's because the sheriff needed an outside party to be there to get his granddaughter off the hook, right? I have to find something, anything, that is going to prove to this dirtbag boss hog type guy who runs the town. <laughs> boss hog. <laughs> I like that boss hog reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, good. Russell Hunt is his name. What he says goes in this town, Russell. And so right. Carrie's going to go to jail for this. Unless right. the sheriff can do literally anything to get her off yeah. the hook. By the end, the reason that he called Agent Cook is really good in that his granddaughter says, but I thought you didn't believe in UFOs. And his response is, I don't, but I believe in my granddaughter. Yeah. And that's why he really called him, which I think is great. That was a great moment, but I still can't really put my finger on how Ben figured that out in that moment. Yeah, I'd kind of need to go back and watch it again, I think. Yeah, it might deserve a rewatch. It was enough that I made a note. I was like, what? How does he know that? Like, how did he figure that one out? It just seemed like, eh. But they did a really great job, not just with this sheriff, but filling out the town. It's a nice little set piece. There's a time and a place aesthetic to it. Yes, the diner that he walks into with the, uh, what's the character's name in this episode? Hannah Carson, right? Hannah Carson, yeah. She's the waitress at the diner across the street from the police house, uh, police, 
police house. <laughs> police house. I think she's she's across the street from the uh, like hotel that. Oh, I see. Okay, Ben is staying at. I made a note here that the diner had a good fifties vibe, and this yeah. is that I said that before I knew what year it was. Because we don't find out what year it is until about 25 minutes into the episode. Some additional information about Russell Hunt, who, quote unquote, runs the town. Right. He made his fortune in oil, as all tycoons do. The well ran dry in 1946, and everybody's like, well, how, how does he still have money? And Jen's immediate response is, he's running drugs. It's drugs. Yeah. And Addison says, isn't 1949 a little early for drugs? And Jen's like, shit, no. But that's how you find out what year it is. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. Addison kind of drops 1949 in there. But the point is, Ben walks into this diner and it immediately feels like that era, right? Yeah, it definitely did. I made note of that as well because last week you were lamenting the need for it to feel like a time travel show. Yeah. Yeah, and this exactly scratched that itch, right? Like, I don't need it to hit you over the head with it. I don't need a secret character, like this cameo appearance from someone famous to drop into it. But the overall aesthetic of this episode feels like the era it's in. I mean, a diner is kind of quintessential 1950s Americana, right? So it's like you already kind of know. You can tell that era. And this episode also gives us that little tiny brush with history mm-hmm. at its conclusion. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about it just uh, yet. Okay. You know, you probably know what I'm talking about. I um, I think you're going to clarify something for me. <laughs> <laughs> when when um, we get there. But let's talk more about the waitress here in the, in the diner real quick. Okay. She's, she is very invested in what is going on. She makes it clear that she believes in all kinds of impossible things. And this is a really great conversation the two of them have. And they really sell some chemistry here, I think. Mm-hmm. She says, have you tried explaining yo-yos to someone who doesn't know what they are? And says that would have been considered witchcraft a hundred years ago. Uh And somewhere in my head, a little light bulb went off because we Uh do have a Salem Witch Trials episode coming up in this season, right? Right. I was like, huh, wonder if that is going to come back somehow. But it was just fun dialogue. These two kind of kicked back and forth. She's almost like an anachronistic character in the sense that she is so into both science and pseudoscience and the idea of what if, right? Right. She seems to be a much more well-versed and schooled woman than your typical 50s diner waitress, right? Right. But when you think about the mystery at hand, he's out searching for aliens and needs to exonerate this young girl so that she can pair together with her grandfather. And then you've got character X over here in the diner that really doesn't need to be there. Right. When they happen to do stuff with her, she's it's fun, it's back and forth, and they find something to do with her, kind of insert her into this. But outside of that, she's just kind of this nosy character across the street right. for most of the episode. So even if we didn't know that that actress and character were supposed to propagate throughout the season, 
she feels out of place. She feels out of place. Yeah, yes. like she doesn't need to be in this episode uh, for the rest of the story to work. Yeah, they really do shoehorn her in at one point when the sheriff and Ben need to leave Carrie with someone they can trust. And right. then in comes Hannah. I was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess we all, it's a small town, whatever, sure. Yeah, we <laughs> you know? all know her. <laughs> we all know each other. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm driving at. But I feel like it kind of fleshes out the town, kind of fleshes yeah. out the environment. I mean, otherwise, you don't see anyone else in that town, really. True like, enough. There's yeah, no, no, the, the town, she injects life into the town that we wouldn't otherwise have. Right. In watching the episode, it didn't really occur to me that she was the Hannah Carson that was a new cast member. Right. You know, the way Tom was. So I was just kind of... <laughs> you love him. Yeah, we all love him, Ryan. We all love Tom. In postscript, and you realize that this is going to be not only a recurring character, but a series regular this season, I think. Maybe? Series regular. Maybe. Multiple episodes, nonetheless. There, yeah, there are definitely multiple appearances. And I saw an article headline that I probably didn't click on. It just said that showrunners assure us that Hannah Carson is not a time traveler. Yeah, I saw that same headline like Wednesday night. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not looking at this. I didn't look at it for the same reasons. But when you think about that, okay, if you can verify that he's going to meet this character again... She's going to look the same or close to it. And she's not a time traveler. But they do have a witch episode. (laughs) (laughs) She's a witch. If she's a witch, I am walking off this podcast. (laughs) Oh, man. Wouldn't that be amazing? I will tell you, this wouldn't be the first show I've watched that jumped the shark at witches. (laughs) Uh, Smallville would be the other one for me. You remember the season four episode of Smallville? that was about witches uh yeah and like they make lana a witch or something right? yes yeah that's the one that jumped the shark for you that was the jump the shark moment of smallville for me ah come on that show was full of like man there's a whole other podcast involved in that <laughs> but that show is All the shark full jump. of ups and downs no it, it definitely is i came back off and on over the years but that's the point at which i stopped watching regularly i was that like, like butthead on the couch <laughs> this <sucks. laughs> <You know? laughs> i have a very warm place in my heart for smallville i didn't even finish it like the last three four seasons i don't think i even watched it but as a whole when i think about smallville i feel like more good than bad yeah and i like yeah. all those people even the sex trafficker Um, but i digress allison mack allison Mack. yes yeah i don't like her and her sex traveling could have done without the sex trafficking allison (laughs) could have done without that i think um, we can all agree that that was a bad move but i sure liked chloe sullivan i'll tell you that oh she was great yeah yeah but anyways point i'm trying to make nate you really think you're done witches you made it through smallville (laughs) you made it past witches on smallville i don't think for one second that hannah carson is a witch oh really you want to lay odds i don't believe hannah carson is a witch well sure sure let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit because the end of this episode ben goes back to sort of say goodbye to hannah at the diner after the leap has basically yeah he's kind of 
trolling around for quite a while after yeah. the leap is over. Yeah, it seems like quote, things unquote. are good, but he doesn't it, leap out. And so yeah. I think, because Ziggy early on has no idea what he's doing there, right? Like, Ziggy has just been completely useless through this whole thing. But Yeah. Like, well, usually Al will dip in and say, well, we think we need you to do one more thing, or... Ziggy yes. thinks you haven't leaped yet because this, that, and the other. Yeah, and so that's Ben's m- just kind of milling about. That's for- my theory, is that he didn't leap because he needed to go back and see Hannah again. Because what happens in their last encounter in this episode is that Ben encourages her to uh, reach out to a Professor Yates at Princeton, who is about to open his brand new physics program to female students. Right. He said, find the number, call him, go live the life you want to live. Right. And what happens next? I assume that was going to get her involved in starting Project Quantum Leap. Something, right? (laughs) So we know she's coming back later in the season. Something happens. She pursues this thing. Maybe she does become a founding member of Project Quantum Leap. Maybe she's someone's grandmother. Uh, you know, it's it's always a possibility she's Tom's grandmother. I I mean, I think that's the less likely scenario. I th- As long as she doesn't play like a descendant of herself. Oh yeah, I can't promise that, Nate. <laughs> I hate when they do that. But Hannah Carson, if she is not a time traveler or a witch, I think she's a witch. She would, I mean, witches are in, man. That Agatha Harkness whole The witchcraft thing. comment with the yo-yo. Yep. I mean, you're not wrong. You're yeah. definitely not wrong. Are you familiar, Nate, with the character River Song from Doctor Who? No. I'm not a Doctor Who person. Yeah, I didn't know if you'd ever heard of her. So River Song first appeared during the David Tennant run of Doctor Who. I know who that is because of Jessica Jones. Oh, there you go. And she recurred throughout the series. I th- I think she's still on occasionally. I haven't watched in a few Doctors. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the character was really interesting because she kept meeting the Doctor at various points. His encounters with her were nonlinear, but she kind of always knew more about him than he knew about her because it wasn't until his last encounter with her that was her first encounter with him. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Really kind of cool concept. Yeah, sure, sure. I think Hannah Carson is going to be this show's River Song. If they can do something interesting with her, I'm all for it. I'm... I'm... Uh, Oh, wait. Crap. What? She's just Ben's love interest. Oh. (laughs) Well, I mean, we know that, too. Um, She's just something to get under Addison's skin. Addison's skin. Ooh la la, who's your girlfriend? <laughs> you know, just and Maybe that's what he's controlling, his leaps. And he's just leaping. It's like, I gotta go see my girlfriend again. <laughs> I honestly just now put that together in my brain. Of really? Course she, of course she is. Yes, I'm a little slow. She is definitely Ben's romantic interest. I also thought about this when I was sitting there watching it and thinking about what her role could be down the road. You know that that time traveler's wife? I have not seen that, but I feel like we need to cover that. I think that may be something worth covering. 
Is that a romantic comedy? On like a, it's a romance it is, movie, right? I don't think it's a comedy, <laughs> but it's a romance movie. But right? it is, it's all, yes. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, then we should cover it. <laughs> but I think that's going to have some bearing here. I think it's going to connect. Yeah. Anyway, I am personally very interested in seeing where this Hannah stuff goes, and really loved the parting moment between Ben and Hannah. He says sure. goodbye, Hannah, and she says, "Don't say goodbye. That's so final. Just say see you later." And Ben says, "See you later," and leaps out. And I'm like, this is a potential romantic subplot that I am much more interested in. How do you, as a person living linearly through time in an era that is not this person's era, have a relationship with this person like that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That could be interesting. You remember in the very first episode of this show, they go to like a a ne'er do well, you know, like gun dealer kind of guy. How how do well? Ne'er. (laughs) Nair. <laughs> like, not even some of the time. It's Nair. Do well. <laughs> they go to this gun runner's shop, right? And they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're and I said, wouldn't it be cool if this character just kind of kept popping up? I do remember you mentioning that. Now I think Hannah is going to be that character. That will be interesting to see how they interact over the course of the season. I'm less interested in it being like, ooh, they're a love interest so that things can feel weird and awkward with Addison. I mean, there's got to be something else behind it. My thought is that she goes to school, she embraces physics, and somehow, maybe it's sometime in the late 50s or early 60s, she becomes aware of a quantum signature that keeps popping up, right? Uh Uh-huh. And eventually tracks it to the time traveling of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. She becomes aware that they're out there and starts to figure out a way to kind of pinpoint it. And maybe she's the one who can figure out how to get Ben home. Yeah. But then Ben doesn't want to go home anymore. He wants to stay there with Hannah. (laughs) Right. Well, that's when he end game Captain America's it. Gets back in the accelerator one last time and then is just sitting there on a park bench outside the project all old as shit. No, I don't think I will. Uh, so anyway, let's get back to the aliens. <laughs> cool look for those aliens. That's sort of like Splinter Cell kind of thing. Looking. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I dug what they were doing. Was there ever a point in the episode where you thought that maybe they really were aliens? No. No. But. Okay. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> original Quantum Leap would have played it differently. There would have been a lot of maybe they're aliens, maybe they're not. We would have decisively proven that they weren't aliens but the last thing sam would have seen before he leaped out threw the whole thing into doubt yeah they did that in fact wasn't that episode titled starlight starbright it sure was yeah did it take place in starlight new mexico it sure did well 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 yeah i think that's pretty cool how about uh, that i'm gonna go back and rewatch that episode um, i think that yeah that would i haven't that's had another a chance one would... to do it yet pair well with this the overall design of the aliens was kind of neat the sequence where ben is drugged and quote-unquote abducted right very clever the whole execution of the plan where addison is eyes on the ground and just following ben as he's drugged and, and madison's like i saw everything i know exactly what's going on now i was like look at you two solving problems together it's interesting that the helicopter signal 
jams out her connection to him, though. Yeah, she flickers and, and fades out. It's the same thing as, like, the radio cutting out. Yeah. Whenever an alien ship is near, like, the radio goes oh, on the Oh, the loss fritz, of time. The loss of time, the blacking out, all of that stuff. It all happens here, and it's all explained, ultimately, with kind of real-world they think it's a helicopter, and it's the helicopter that Russell is using transport drugs, but what they ultimately find out is that Russell's leased part of his land to the U.S. government, and they've right. built a facility here in the middle of Starlight, New Mexico, where they are essentially building some test aircraft. <laughs> yeah, testing flying saucers. And testing night vision goggles and all of these other things that look crazy and science fiction-y and fantastic. When this episode started and Carrie was kind of explaining to them what she had seen, what her experience had been like driving the car, mm -hmm. and it sounded like your textbook alien abduction, right? Right. My theory, it was going to end up being as simple as Melanie was driving drunk and Carrie was covering for her. I thought that the show was just going to be like, oh, she's just covering up for her friend because she doesn't want her friend to get into trouble. That was the cover story for the government. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the content of this episode and the directions it goes are so much more creative and inventive. I was just very, very happy with the directions this narrative went. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The final moments where Ben and the sheriff call the general to task over it, and the sheriff, who we didn't see for a lot of Ben's infiltration, turns out to have been taking pictures in the bushes as sheriffs are wont to do, <laughs> of the military folks dropping Ben's mostly naked body off in a field. So they've got photographic evidence, and Ben's request is that we know you have a serum for the chemical you've injected us with. We need that for somebody. And the sheriff says, I want you all out of this town. We don't want you here anymore. You need to move this base. Which right, is and give me a car. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the moment I was I was alluding to earlier, the brush with oh. history moment, because <laughs> Ben's uh, Ben suggests he says there's an abandoned airfield near Groom Lake, Nevada. I think it's called Area 51. Yeah. And General Murray's like, hmm, mm. you know, yeah, right. So right. Uh, <laughs> that was one of those cute moments. That's what I was looking for. You know, I don't need like, a major historical figure to waltz through, but I, I liked that. And the other good thing about this episode is, like you mentioned earlier, how sparingly they used Team Quantum Leap. They weren't in there very often. All of these people could essentially be guest stars. Yeah. But when they are used, um, they're used to assist the Leap which is what we've talked about before. And it's good that they've done, they're hopefully continuing down that road. Everybody uh, gets a moment, including magic. Yeah, the magic. Magic gets to work as magic. <laughs> yep, he seems to have a infinite bag of favors from people in the military. I'll make a few phone calls and is able to find out about the off-site base. Yep, mouth off to magic, the universe will get you. Jen says, never doubt magic. Jen's knowledge about the drug trade in the 40s I guess is helpful. That, I'm here that was for pretty it. cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm here uh, for it. I, I don't know that what that good. has to do with her being the head of security at this. Is she still the head of security? Yeah. Hell yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Why is she still there? If everything um, has changed, what, it, why is she so imperative to this program? Leap, you need to understand Quantum Leap is unionized 
And uh, <laughs> they disbanded this whole program and brought people back. And they brought her back to do what? Guys, we when got a chance re- to get rid of her. You know, just when don't they reopen. No, I like I just seriously like. She was the head of security. That was what she was. Then they shut the whole base down. She broke back in, said that she had built the security system that they broke in. And now what does she do there? Is she still the head of security? I'll tell you one thing she does. Gives us updates about a certain mysterious figure. From season uh, actually, one. Yeah, Ian, I believe, it drops the bomb that Janice. Yes. Now working for the NSA. In Hawaii. And you know this what? Is... That made me think. <laughs> Spinoff? No, is she on Magnum this season? <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, I was like, oh shit, is she on Magnum PI? That would be pretty funny. That'd be pretty awesome. I would be like, oh, maybe they are starting a Belisario verse. Maybe. Easy enough to check out. I'm going to have to dip over there and check out the new Magnum show. It's, I think it's in its, like, eighth season or something. I'm I'm behind. <laughs> to me, that was kind of a throwaway line that says, yeah, don't worry about this person. You're not going to see her again. <laughs> She's not coming back. <laughs> but how ridiculous is that? Again, real life versus television. Yeah. yeah. She's working for the NSA. We had her in a military prison. With the key thrown away in our pitch. Oh, Nate. You know, I, it's clear you never watched 24. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch 24. The, You're correct. The most outlandish of things. Uh, just sort of just sort of sets the bar in a whole new level. Uh, and so something like this, I'm like, eh, okay, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much for her birthright. Quantum Leap was her birthright, Brian. (laughs) I was meant to do this. I was destined for it. You want to come work in Hawaii? Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's one more thing before we go here. Who who does magic call? That's one big question, right? One of the last scenes of this episode involve Addison and magic having a conversation about needing emotional support. Right. Right. Not being able to do this without some sort of emotional support. And uh, we don't all have great guys like Tom. Yeah, we don't. He says that, doesn't he? He does. (laughs) Yeah. More or less. Maybe he calls Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be great if that's who's on the phone? I guess the implication is it's whomever he was buying that jewelry for, right? You think it's Beth? Think he's making a play? It's been three years, man. It's been three years. For magic, it's been three years. And and so it's been four oh, years. Oh, that's since... right. He went to have the cigar with him in 2018. Right. I feel like Al passed about a year before this series started. So, like, I mean, pretty much like Dean Stockwell. I don't know whether that was something addressed on the show or whether it's just kind of my headcanon. I think but, it's headcanon. Uh, it makes sense. Addison's moved on. That wouldn't surprise me at all if it was Beth. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's the only person we've seen him have any relationship with outside of his role. So something else, uh, while we're on the subject of the relationships of these characters, Ben says something I thought was kind of interesting. When they were in the car on their little road trip, 
Mm-hmm. Ben says to Addison that he remembers everyone now. Yeah, he says pretty it, much all back. He says it all came back to him. And the way he says it, I was like, does Ben know Tom? Does Ben looking at Addison and saying, I know who you're with. Because maybe he knows Tom from prior to leaving. That's curious. I don't think they're that clever. <laughs> Maybe not. I think that's a scenario where you've come up with a better idea. If anything, you could ask, what does he remember? From what timeline? This is an Addison who's been relationship started with a big kiss yeah. before their first date, right? Yeah. It's also so, an Addison that may have had fewer daddy issues. I mean, she should theoretically be a different person in a lot of ways. Oh, maybe and that's the problem. Re- maybe that's why they're not together anymore. <laughs> and their relationship started differently than the way Ben remembers. It's an interesting thought. Speaking of those changes to the past, I did last thought about Hannah Carson was that it, it reminded me of exactly the episodes we're kind of alluding to here. The, the Where Sam alters history and ensures that Donna is going to end up marrying him one day. Right, Sammy Joe. Yeah, Sammy Joe. Feels like something similar to that, but we're going to get to see the direct next steps with that character as we move through the show. You know what I mean? With this sort of nudge he's giving to Hannah, we're not going to be told what happens next. We're actually going to be shown what happens next, and that's kind of exciting for me. That could be interesting, yeah. On a whole, that dip in episode two, I'm really glad to see them kind of crawl out of that trough. Yeah. If episode two, Ben and Teller didn't exist and it just went right into this episode. Yeah. We'd be off to the races with this thing. You honestly don't even, nothing happens. Oh, Tom. Tom gets introduced. We do, we do meet Tom. It's just kind of leap straight into this one. Uh, I would not be surprised to see that come back in our uh, our finale season wrap up. Oh yeah, this and the premiere have set high bars so far. Yeah, except the other one drags it down so far that a season as a whole, I'm still pretty nervous. Yeah, but it ends with a return. Yeah, we got a leap out. A tease for next week, and what a tease it is! Yeah, I am really really tight shots. Not a lot of environment. Some kind of heist going on. But look. Folks, when you get Tim Matheson to be on your show, <laughs> you you lead with a tight shot of Tim Matheson's face. Yeah. I can't believe the next episode has Tim Matheson in it. I am very, very jazzed. I will admit to recognizing that face and being like, I know that guy from something. You probably know him from Animal House, but he was also on Bonanza and... <laughs> maybe that's what i know him from. you might know him from he was on like the last couple seasons of bonanza i think any excuse to throw the theme music to bonanza into our podcast here's another one i would love for you to throw in he also voiced johnny quest oh yeah he's the original voice of johnny quest okay tim matheson's been around for a long long time as i don't even need to tell you that because when you see his face at the end of this episode you're like this man has been around for a long long time hasn't he? <laughs> yeah um, and he's ready to do some mischief too yeah it sounds like it's gonna be some kind of heist episode kicking or... asses and taking names yes i am here for it man whatever the next episode is i am here for it. very hopeful for another great episode and what a great feeling after last week's episode to come into something like this really enjoyed it and i look forward to what's next and we only have five of them i it, 
Well, it's less than eight. I do know that. In the interview, they said we were shooting for eight. We didn't quite hit before the strike started. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get six episodes. I keep thinking, okay, well, we know there's the Salem Witch Trials episode. The Egypt. We know there's the Egypt episode. Actual footage that has been filmed. So they filmed the Egypt episode in Egypt. That's above and beyond, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to the feed here so you never miss an episode. And be sure to review the show and tell all your Quantum Leap-loving buddies about it. They're out there. I know they are. Because we have an employee whose name is very close to a certain smart speaker. And whenever you say this employee's name, the smart speaker in the room speaks up and starts Uh. trying to tell us stuff. And I was like, you know, we can change the wake name to Ziggy. And one of my coworkers recognize that as the computer from quantum leap so there's there's a lot of people and that's when you told them about your podcast and how they should listen and tell all their friends exactly that's exactly what i did (laughs) (laughs) i said things like we're also available on youtube in an audio format And you can like, comment, and subscribe there as well. For sternly worded complaints, you can email us at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. If you have been watching this current season of Magnum P.I. and you know anything about the whereabouts of Janice Calavici, please email us and let us know. (laughs) You might be able to find us on social media. I'm Captain Byrne on Blue Sky, C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N. Brian.lee.martin on Instagram if you want to just look at pictures of me with uh Bob <laughs> with, with Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> yeah. Nate's not on social media. Not really. Just listen to the podcast. Tell yeah. your friends subscribe. Listen to the podcast. Yeah, and you can listen to us, of course, on the Paprika feed as well, and find all manner of new and exciting things there too. You know, there's only one draft left, Nate. Oh in paprika history i think it's gonna be the last draft we ever do and uh, really yeah a blind draft we didn't know what the subject was going to be going into it it was quite the ride i'll say that Big so when, finale whenever huh? that posts boy just be ready for some shit man <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's about it guys we'll see what tim matheson brings with him next week until then folks i'm brian and i'm nate And we'll be here in the waiting room.